Support for Innovation Hub comes from the Museum of Science in Boston, working to push the boundaries of what's possible by empowering the next generation of critical thinkers with interactive exhibits, innovative programs, and pre-K through 12 curricula. Learn more at mos.org. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. If your dream is to make sure your children have a more prosperous life than you do, more opportunities, maybe higher incomes, America has long offered up one tried-and-true option. It's one we've been turning to, with various levels of success, for hundreds of years. What is it? Well, it's picking up and moving. These movements allow people to come to go from places which are less prosperous to places which are more prosperous and thereby make themselves and their families richer and, even more importantly, maybe their kids. Tamim Bayoumi is a deputy director at the International Monetary Fund, and he's been studying an unusual new chapter in Americans' love affair with moving. Because, let's face it, moving has shaped this country. The West was changed when people dropped what they were doing and went to California during the gold rush. Northern cities were changed in the early 20th century when African-Americans migrated away from the South and into more industrialized areas. Silicon Valley was changed when techies from across the country and across the world joined an industry that would not only make them rich, but also change everyone's lives. And in an era of ubiquitous airports and young people who often aren't tied down by families until their 30s or even later, you'd think, well, moving to new opportunities, that might be now reaching its peak. But Tamim Bayoumi says, yeah, that's not happening. So what has happened is that internal migration within the United States has fallen very considerably since the early 80s. It's approximately halved. So that means that only half as many people as a proportion of the population are moving now as they did 40 years ago. He's the co-author of the paper Stranded, How Rising Inequality Suppressed U.S. Migration and Hurt Those Left Behind, which finds a radical change taking place in the U.S. Something happened in the 1980s which started to cement us to the towns and cities where we lived. Many people stopped moving to take jobs in other parts of the country, which they had eagerly done before that. And the reason is not that good opportunities dried up. In fact, there are lots of jobs across the U.S. and plenty of high-paying ones. The problem is people can't get from where they are to the places with the great jobs, mostly for one reason. And as much as we hear about income inequality, Bayoumi says... The inequality of house prices, it's even worse. Um, we lived in Northern Virginia maybe 12 years ago. And one of the reasons that we moved was because of, the, you know, the cost of living and also the congestion and things like that. So we moved uh, to the North Carolina area. I'm hoping to get a better, slower lifestyle. That's Nakia Adams, who lives in the High Point area of North Carolina, where the average house orbits around $200,000. Her family likes living in High Point, but the issue is this. There are jobs there, but they're few and far in between. The jobs that Nakia Adams wanted, as it turned out, were back up in Virginia, that congested, expensive area that she and her family had moved away from. So she took one in Sterling, Virginia, a place where home prices aren't $200,000 like they are in High Point. Instead, they land closer to $500,000. Well, once upon a time, she and her family might have moved. 
But in a world in which house prices have become wildly divergent in different metro areas, that's not what she did. Instead, she decided to commute. Typically, it's like um, every week um, I go up there and I have a weekly meeting at like maybe nine something in the morning. So I'm usually leaving around three o'clock in the morning to go to work. If you're trying to do the math, Nakia Adams lives five hours from her job. She goes in one day a week and it's a 10 hour round trip commute on the day she goes in. If I have to stay multiple days, my sister has an apartment um, and I used to stay with her. Um, But, you know, if I can't catch her, then I'll just stay in a hotel. Which takes a bit of a toll. Well, with me, the commute has itself on the weekends. I'm basically recuperating for the rest of the week. Um, And then, you know, I just get, you know, back into the flow. But it's not too bad. I'd rather make the sacrifice myself than uproot my entire family. And we've already kind of built a life here. So I just like to make the sacrifice myself. Adam says that not only are there fewer jobs available in North Carolina, where she is, but they also pay a lot less. Tamim Bayoumi, the deputy director at the International Monetary Fund, says the huge gaps in house prices are preventing people with amazing skills from making the leap to, say, the D.C. area or New York City or a whole host of other cities. That's often bad for individuals and their families, but he says it's terrible for America and for the future of our economy. House prices obviously gone up a lot over the last 40 years, but more particularly, they've gone up much faster in more prosperous regions than they have in less prosperous regions. The result has been that the gaps between house prices in places which are wealthy and prosperous are larger now than they were before. That matters because if you're trying to move from a poor area Mm -hmm. to a better off area, you obviously have the problem of higher rents and or higher house prices and therefore higher mortgages. It's interesting because we've heard so much about income inequality. That's been so much a part of the conversation. But the issue of housing prices, just stopping people from, even if they can take a job in New York or San Jose, stopping people from doing that um, seems like something we've heard a lot less about. Well, interestingly enough, the reason I started looking at this issue was two personal experiences. One of them was a friend of mine and my wife's who was in the media business and became unemployed, and she had two offers. And she decided she couldn't go to the San Francisco offer because she couldn't afford to live there. Mm. And at the same time, I heard on NPR, oddly enough, a story about somebody who'd been in Silicon Valley had been asked by her employer to move 100 miles south, had done so and sold her house, and then come back after 10 years and could not afford the original house. And both of those started me thinking about this issue of how house prices and income inequality might affect not the desire of people to move, but the ability to move. You know, if I knew people who decided not to move to a job because of high housing costs... How many other people who I don't know was that also true of? And I just want to put some numbers to this. Um, uh, Clear Capital, which is a company that analyzes real estate, looked at the average price in metro areas all over the country in 2018. Just to give you a few stats, the average house price in the Kansas City, Missouri metro area is $143,000. It's almost exactly the same in Memphis, Tennessee, $142,000. By contrast, let's say you're in Kansas City or Memphis, 
average house price in the $140,000 range, and you want to move to L.A. because you get a job offer. Uh, The average price is $634,000. In San Jose, the average price for a home is $1.1 million. Um, And it sounds like you're saying, even if you have the skills, you are highly coveted, how are you going to sell your family's home and put your family in a similar, even maybe smaller home in the L.A. or San Jose area? Yes, I think that that is a very important set of issues. So the reason that this matters from an economic point of view is what I think you were alluding to, which is that one of the secrets to American prosperity has always been people getting up and leaving somewhere and going somewhere else for a better life. In fact, that's sort of fundamental to the American dream to some extent. And to the extent that that becomes more and more difficult to do then what happens is that you get less churning, as we call it, in the labor market, less people finding the right fit. And in particular, bright and able people in less prosperous areas have less chance to move to more prosperous areas and find places for them. And as I think I mentioned earlier, actually, uh, even more importantly for their children, since there's a lot of evidence that moving to a more prosperous area is linked to better lifetime achievements for your children. One of the striking things to me, and I don't know if it has struck you too, is that many companies um, seem to uh, expand into places that are already expensive. Like I think about the big hoopla around Amazon's second headquarters and just the legion of cities that were like, yep, yes, please come here. Many, many cities all over the country. And you might think they would have thought, well, let's go with a city where our workers can afford great homes and whatever. But what did they decide ultimately to split between New York and D.C.? Obviously, New York, that didn't end up happening. But like their decision was, well, let's go with the usual suspects. And I wonder if I wonder why you think that's so uh, prevalent that companies are expanding into places where real estate costs a lot. You know, it's hard for workers to find adequate housing. What's going on? I think that's a very good question. In fact, on the way over, I was just talking to somebody about the fact that we all thought the Internet would mean that it didn't matter where you lived. (laughs) It turns out that that hasn't been true over the last 20 years. Not quite. I think there are a couple of possible reasons. As an economist, one of the ones I would point to is that actually having a lot of bright, young, skilled people in the same place has certain advantages called agglomeration effects in the literature. But essentially, it just means that when you've got a bunch of people around who are similar to each other, then you can get more than the sum of the parts. So in other words, there is a benefit to Google from being in a place where their employees will be around lots of other people with similar sort of education or whatever. The other is the point which I said earlier, which is that of services. It's always difficult to tell why people want to go places, but especially the young and relatively well-educated may want to go to places which have a certain set of characteristics, which may be more true of Arlington or New York than it is of Memphis. Hmm. You say, right, that this general trend of basically migration, people moving around the country, um, that that has been really falling off quite a bit since the 1980s. 
Do we know why it started in the 1980s, To why it started on this downward slope that we're apparently still on? Well, I'm not sure we know, you know, to the last detail why, but basically through the early 1980s, by and large, the tendency in the U.S. had been towards more equal incomes across regions. And then in the 1980s, it appears that there was an inflection point where rather than regions in the U.S. becoming more similar over time, they started diverging over time. And there are many possible reasons for this. The most obvious one is probably technology, where it is possible to argue that technology created higher incomes for the well-educated and decayed sort of classic middle-class jobs which were well-paid, such as manufacturing. You argue, um, and I wonder if you can kind of expand on this a little bit, that this effect of people just not moving as much, of sorting into, you know, city, very expensive cities and less expensive cities, that this is really bad for America overall in some ways. If, if what you're trying to do is enhance economic growth and productivity, that this is bad for those things. Um, c- can you talk about that? Yes. Well, obviously, overall American income is based on a combination of talents and how you're rewarded for them. So what you'd want to do is have the most talented people, the most energetic people linked with the best jobs. If, on the other hand, you have a world in which it's quite difficult to move from less prosperous areas to more prosperous ones, then talented people in the less prosperous areas will find it difficult to move to places where their skills would be better used. And likewise, their not moving means that there's more space for people who happen to be born there, but mm-hmm. maybe less, you know, maybe less fundamentally talented. Like your life is more of an accident of geography, or like a, you're either benefited or hurt by geography. Even if you have great skills, geography can really hurt you. Yeah, it's a version of sort of, you know, wealth inequality, meaning that your chances in life are different. It's just a geographic version of that, which I don't think people have focused on as much, which is exactly that, you know, it turns out that where you start is quite important for where you will end up. So uh, an overall question, um, who do you think is hurting the most from these trends? Like, if you had to identify where... The, the real, who's feeling the downside the most? Who would you say? Within the general geographic area, there is clearly an area in the East Heartland which has had a long period during which its economic prospects have stagnated compared to the rest of the country. And that area in the middle of the country is pretty clear from almost any data that you look at. So that would be sort of the general pattern. But there's also a more specific pattern, which is generally more rural areas have done less well than less rural areas. And therefore, there's also even within the United States or within a particular state, for example, there are bits which are doing better than other bits. Um, As you come away from all this data, do you feel like you come away with solutions like 
gee, if, if, you know, somebody in the government was asking me, here's what I'd do? Or do you feel like, do you feel just worried about where things are headed? How do you kind of feel about um, what you've seen now that you've looked at this housing inequality? So there's quite a literature on how to bring back prosperous jobs to areas that are declining. And that literature seems to suggest that the best thing to do is to actually provide fairly targeted assistance both to workers and to employers, providing with new skills, new opportunities, etc., rather than sort of generally throwing money around indiscriminately. On the other side of the coin, the question is, what can you do in areas which are becoming rapidly more expensive and where it's more and more difficult for people to live? There are several things you can do, one of which is to consider local zoning laws. It's not clear that in all areas that all of the land is being used in its most prosperous way and that there are quite a few rules which seem to encourage rises in house prices by limiting the size of lots, etc., etc. The other thing you can do is to, of course, improve transportation, either private or public, and allow people who are living outside make it easier to come in. And that, again, will increase the labor pool, allow those who have been moved out to come in and actually enjoy the fruits of the uh, greater prosperity and generally have a better time. Tamim Bayoumi is a deputy director at the International Monetary Fund. He's a co-author of the paper Stranded, How Rising Inequality Suppressed U.S. Migration and Hurt Those Left Behind. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. And if you want to read the research on how disparities in home prices hurt both our individual prospects and the American economy, We've got it for you at our website. Also there, we will have a sampling of the comments that you sent us about housing. That's all at innovationhub.org. And thanks to the people who helped put together this show. Senior producer Elizabeth Ross, producer Mark Sollinger, and associate producer Sarah Leeson. We also got production help this week from Eleanor Ho. And this week, we say a special goodbye to our longtime engineer, Doug Sugertz, who is leaving for his beloved hometown of Pittsburgh. Doug, thanks for all your amazing work on the show. From PRI and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub. PRI, Public Radio International.